Hello, everybody. Lucas Holmes here and David Redden here with our regular LJ and Redders AFL podcast. And Lucas Holmes, it's been an interesting last week um, in the Australian Football League, in particular with your club. And we're going to have some some questions and talk to everybody about it. But first of all, first of all, sir, good evening to you. I hope you're well. Evening, David. Likewise with you, my friend. It's good to be back after a week of AFL Sydney, David. We hadn't seen each other for a fortnight, which is quite long for you and I normally, but back into the grind of AFL Sydney, which we both love. So looking forward to the back end of, it, of our AFL Sydney season and all things happening AFL as well, which, as you said there, David, it's been an interesting 40 hours for those, uh, 48 hours for those that bleed black and white, which I do quite a bit. Yeah. Um... There's, uh, we're going to get straight into it. We'll go into the games later, everybody. Um, for those of you that don't know, there's been some fascinating things happening at the Collingwood Football Club. I did give Lucas a bit of a, a heads up that I'm going to ask him some questions tonight and talk about some things. Lucas has always got measured and thoughtful opinions. Lucas, let's just delve straight into it and in no particular order. Lucas, where do you sit with all the things that have happened, particularly around the... Um, First of all, the rating of women games that are being played, in particular, um, Jack Ginevan and Isaac Quain are involved there, and then the Jordan Dugowie episode. Where do you sit as a, as a true blue dyed-in-the-wall Collingwood fan? Where do you sit with your football club? Um, obviously, you'll barrack for them this weekend for the rest of your life, but where do you sit with everything? I will ask some more direct questions in a minute, but where do you sit with the whole thing? We're recording this on Wednesday night. Um, and as Lucas has just pointed out to me, and I've seen as well, Jack Jordan Ngoi has been granted personal leave this week. What is the tip with you, my friend? Well, I'll get the uh, the Ginevan and Quain all bit out of my way quickly because uh, we've got a lot more to talk about on the Ngoi situation, but I don't have TikTok, so I'm not all on that sort of things. And that's, especially in this day and age, David, trend of rating females or males looks, however it may be, as females on this point of view, but Ginevan and Quainor, I think it's frankly absurd um, in this day and age, especially with social media for AFL players. Um, I know Ginevan's been in the media a, a lot in this this season in particular, but Quainor particularly seems like he's quite grounded. Um, he's, a, he's a very good young player as well, so it's sort of out of character for him. But Ginevan, it, it's a little bit more interesting considering what uh, media pressure he's been, been in over the last couple of months, particularly more more since Anzac Day. But it's, it's untoward, it's out of order, David, for the Ginevan and Quainor situation, firstly. Couldn't agree more. Now, Lucas, a couple of weeks ago, you're the Chief of Football at, at Collingwood. And Jordan Ngoi comes and says, oh, listen, we've got a bye week coming up. I'd like to go to Bali just to let their hair down. Do you let him go, first of all? Well, this is a really interesting point, David, it because it got, bought, it, got, it got bought up the, the days after this because it, it wasn't just a goey that went to um, mm-hmm. Bali, David. Uh, on a different trip, Jamie Elliott and Darcy Moore um, made the same excursion and they didn't have any issues. And I think it's all got to do with um, Dugowie's past, David. We had that incident a while ago where he uh, faked or he lied to the club about him getting bitten by his dog, dog or something like that on his hand where he was in where he was actually in a bit of a uh, dust up in a Victorian hotel or bar or wherever that place may be in a licensed establishment um, to put it a little bit more cleaner. 
But so there's the issues there. And he's had a couple of issues as well of late, particularly with that incident last at the end of last season in New York City. Um, we spoke about that at the time. We're in our first podcast back coming to, into the season. So that was the more, that was the greater of the two evils there. And I think I think that's where it's, for me, David, interesting that they let they let him go, particularly, yes, it's a, it's a buy round. You've got, they usually take most of that first of the, of the previous week off, David, to refresh and uh, get themselves stable. But for someone like Dugowie that's had some, that's had multiple off-field issues, yes, they get to relax and, and let their hair down. But Bali, uh, overseas firstly, like New Zealand potentially, it's such a short flight. Bali's not all that long, but for someone that's had issues off the field like Jordan Dugowie, I can't believe um, they actually let him go. And then, and then when people are questioning Dugowie's choice, I think it's more actually back onto the Collingwood Football Club. And it'd be interesting to, for me to see who makes those decisions on where people aren't and are allowed to go on their mid-season break or on their post-season holiday, particularly with the mid-season, with the mid-season buy dated on such a short turnaround for, for players to go overseas. Yeah, that's fair enough. They, they work and they're such heavily scrutinised. But for someone like Dugowie, who's had such a checkered pass off the field to let him go, yes, they're probably trying to work out well they've actually just taken a contract extension reportedly off the table we'll go back back to that later on mm-hmm. but to let someone like to go go overseas i think it was always going to end in a little bit of trouble trouble david and particularly with someone like to something like that was always going to a photo or a video like it was which was disgusting in itself um for that to end up online it was always going to go that way and for those people in the media they're always going to go after to go when things like that go out Okay. Um, first of all, I think footballers have got the right to live their life away from football as they see fit. Um, they do go in knowing that they're going to be in the public eye. Now, Jordan Ngoi's got in trouble in Bali and then in New York City. Now, New York City is a long way away. You think that you could... You, New York City is the side of place that you think you could just completely disappear if you wanted to. It really is. Bali's a bit different. There are so many Australians that go to Bali, particularly a lot of West Australians, and they do like their football. Uh, most a lot of people in Bali being Australian would know who this bloke is. I still think they've got a right to lead their life. The question I would have that doesn't seem to be covered much is that Bali's a long way from Melbourne. Why would you want a 10 or 12 day break when I have 16 or 17 hours flying time? Flying's not fun. I mean, you've flown, over, flown overseas, Lucas. You, in fact, you've flown a long way. I'm not sure that it's what, what you'd want. Maybe going to the Goldie or the Sunshine Coast or to if you've got to travel, go to Cable or to the, I don't know, Kakadu, something, just to relax. But anyway, he's gone. Um, not sure if what he's done is the smartest move when he's actually been over there. Uh, the act was poor. But then when it's come back, it seems to have manifested itself. I'm not sure if it's been well handled. I don't often agree with Mark Robinson on AFL 360. He's a very opinionated man, as I am. But I reckon I was watching him talk about how Collingwood have handled it with the suspended fine. Jared Waitley, of course, and those two bounce off each other well because they've got different opinions, sort of explained a bit. I think it's apparent that Dugowie might have lost a lot of money out of this with his... I don't think they're going to... And the thing is with Dugowie, Collingwood's now got the whip hand. First of all, I'm not sure any other club would take him. Okay. Especially clubs that have got a no D heads policy. I can't imagine him going to a place like the Gold Coast where they're actually trying to build something. 
Um, then he's done himself, yeah. And then, but Collingwood give him a suspended fine. Yeah. What does that actually say? If they'd have gone and given him a three or four week ban or potted him with a $50,000 fine, at least it says that they've, because they talked the talk, but they haven't actually walked the walk very much. The one thing that I'll give as a qualifier there is that if they've taken his contract off the table, they may actually be costing him not 25 grand, but four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars over the life of a contract. Overall, yeah, so it's not a it's go, it's not it's not a real the whole thing, I think, has just been difficult and awkward. It's not the 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 issue with the other the other players with the rating of women's very poor. Uh, and it doesn't, I'd love to get some speak to females who know what they're talking about, about that sort of thing and what they think as one of Lucas's beautiful Labradors comes in the back there. And the other thing is, why does Jordan Degoe must fed Ingham not think about things very much? I've got to be very careful what I say about it, but I'm not sure if there's much goes on between the ears at times. I really don't. Back to you, my friend. Yeah, so the suspended fine, David, was a $25,000 suspended fine till the end of the season. Um, he's also undertaking further behavioural education. Um, this is also in addition to an existing counselling program as well. And that contract I was speaking of earlier, David, was a, was a reportedly $3.2 million over four years. That would be initially two years up front. And then if Collingwood were happy with how it was going on the field and potentially off it the way it's looking at the moment, they had a like a two-year uh, team option uh, you see those quite often in other sports, particularly in the US. So it was $3.2 million reportedly over four years, two up front, and then potentially a further two if all parties were happy. Look, it's time to move on pretty shortly to some footy, but it's been a very difficult week at the Collingwood Footy Club, and there's now two beautiful Labradors in the background. Um, it's just... You just shake your head sometimes. You really do. Uh, I'm sure that there's some good... Collingwood has a massive membership and a lot of people, you would know this, Lucas, from having been to lots of Collingwood games, honestly live and breathe Collingwood. It's 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 there. It's always been their social. You listen to Eddie talk that people followed Collingwood when they had nothing but the smell of an oily rag and Collingwood was their one thing each week that they could join in together and support. And I'd love to hear a cross-section of what Collingwood, the really died in the wall Collingwood friends, people like you and other people that when you go to Collingwood games, I'd just love to get them down over a cuppa and sit down and say, what do you think about all of this? And I would think that Collingwood are smart. I would hope they're smart enough to do that because this is just, it's been a shocking week for them, for individuals as well, but it's not a real good look for them. And you wonder whether they've got the, the ability to be introspective and have a look at where they can get better. It isn't, David, but on the field for Dugowie particularly, I would argue with you, barring a three or four week um, where his form was really high in their run to the 2018 grand final, David, the back end of, tw of 2021 and the start of 2022 would arguably be his career best form for me on the field. 100%. Um, he's, ta he's taken more of a midfield role, bigger around the clearances. He's, he, would, he, he averaged high 20s. In the, in the disposal count, David, in the back end of 2021. So he was going for strength to strength off on the field. Then you had the uh, New York City incident. And then he's had a fairly solid start to this season to working his way back from injury. And then this happened. So it's, it's, it's almost like it's two steps forward, one steps back. And don't forget, David, he's 26 years of age. He's not 21 or 22. 
he was Collingwood's, I think, I believe it was a 2014 AFL draft day, but he was taken a pick six. And then Darcy Moore was taken as a father summit pick 10. So he's had a long, a long time in the AFL system. I understand he's a very good player. And if I was you or I to sit down with him, I would, you would think he'd be a very good person as well off the field. He's done a lot of work with the Salvation Army, David, in Melbourne and Victoria after those issues that happened a couple of years ago. So he does quite a lot of charity work. But maybe just a couple of lapses in judgment that's really cost him. And as we said, it could potentially cost him upwards of $3 million. Look, I actually concur there. I reckon if you went and spoke to him, he'd probably come across as a reasonable bloke. He, his lapses in judgment have been poor. And the problem is there's a series of them. And if you can't learn by 26, you may not be able to ever learn. Ginevan is a young bloke. I mean, Ginnivan's got some things to deal with. I mean, the blonde hair, as soon as I saw the colour of his hair, I knew what kind of bloke he was like. And uh, the, the thing is, he can play. But um, look, we'll move on to the footy now. Thank you for your time. I know it's hard to talk about things that affect your own footy club, but I'm about to talk about the Giants in a minute and a couple of opinions that I've got. But uh, yeah, it's been a tough time and let's just hope that everybody gets better from it, Louis. That's all I can say. That's all we can ask for, David. And hopefully onwards and upwards for Jordan Dugowie. And that's... Been- and that's the most important thing, more away from the football, David, off the field as a man, as a person too. That's what we've got to look after the most in all of this. Oh, yeah. We've also got to look after the half the people that watch football are female, Lucas. And I, that, you, you want, there's a lot of, there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of women out there who are sitting around there saying, WTF, what are yeah. you doing? To be quite honest, it's a simple Yeah, I, I, and that's the water issue. That's what Mark Anderson, the Collingwood Football Club CEO, and came out and said in a press conference, I believe it was yesterday, and there's a large portion of females and young girls now that are watching AFL from a young age, and that's not what you want as an image from one of one of the stars of one of the one of the bigger clubs in the competition. So that's it's the image as well, which is the more worrying thing. Back to the footy last week. We'll briefly go through this and then have a look at a fantastic round of football coming up. Richmond defeated Carlton in a cracking game at the uh, MCG on Thursday night, 81-66, 11-15, Essendon finally stood up. It's about time, 15-17 over a disappointing St Kilda, 11-6. Port Adelaide showed some ticker, 12-10, defeating Sydney, 8-11, with a couple of flow-on effects in that game, particularly suspension for Peter Adams, who behaved like a fool. Geelong um, had a tough day against West Coast. I'm glad to see West Coast put up a decent fight. West Coast 9-9, uh, Geelong 12-9, that game at Optus. One of the games of the season at Sydney Olympic Park, the Bulldogs 19-11, the Giants 16-9, and losing despite Toby Green's kicking seven. What a game of football this was. I'll come back to that in a minute. And then the Gold Coast 116 over, uh, great shooting, 88 over 10-13-73 against the disappointing Crows. With the Lions, the Collingwood, North Melbourne, Hawthorne, Fremantle and Melbourne having the week off. Uh, look, I want to get drilled down to a point here, Lucas, um, before we go into this week's round. There's been some very... Uh, Gary Lyon made a very good point. They've been very much on the hustings about the North Melbourne Football Club of late and their crowds and where they are at. Now, the Giants and the Bulldogs played, and there were less than 7,000 people at Sydney Olympic Park to watch one of the games of the season, 200 and 30 points scored, fantastic football, 35 goals, just great end-to-end stuff, really skillful, good night in Sydney. And between six and a half and 7,000 people turned up. Being a Giants fan, this is actually, and obviously I've got other things to do there, so I don't really get to many games, if any. Being a Giants fan, it's a bit tough when people say those sort of things, but to be quite honest, 
they do have a point. If you're if people are going to criticise North Melbourne for getting eleven thousand at Docklands, the Giants and the Bulldogs have got a fantastic rivalry. In fact, they're the Giants' biggest rival, and people just aren't turning up. And you wonder if that game had been in Monaco, how many would have turned up? But you've got to have a look at where the Giants are at, Lucas. We've gone a long way in now, and the it's fair to say that the crowds just aren't coming to Sydney Olympic Park. And that was going to actually be my first point, David. And you mentioned it just before. These two clubs in the last half decade, almost approaching a decade now, this is probably the two clubs. It's almost the biggest rivalry for me in the AFL when you go at form and past performances in the, in the last five to 10 years. So it's definitely a disappointment there, particularly too, is what, 7.20, 7.25 on a Saturday night. Yes, I know the weather we haven't had in New South Wales, the state and most of the eastern seaboard hasn't been great, but what you say, seven, eight thousand people, especially marquee on a Saturday night, it's probably not good enough. But I think, David, when you dig down into it deeper, and as you said, the Giants have been in this competition for close to a decade now, if not right on it, that it was always going to be a little bit difficult, David, because when you bring someone like the Giants in, particularly when the Sydney Swans have had that they've had the market to themselves for such a long period of time now in New South Wales. So I think it's always going to be a little bit hard for, um, for people to jump allegiances, particularly even though they may live in the, in, in the area that they reside in, David. But I think it was always going to be a little bit difficult to try and swing supporters. For, for me, I think it was about the Giants trying to capture the new market, David, and all the, new, all the newer fans to AFL become Giants fans for me. Well, there's a, as we would well know from being involved with AFL Sydney, football in Sydney is booming. It's just getting bigger and bigger, and it's a growth market. You would think. Um, you would. It's interesting to see what the Giants do, where they've got a, they've had an agreement for years to play three games a year minimum in Canberra. You wonder where that's going to go. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, there is no talk at all. All of the talk about the next franchise in the AFL is all being based at a, at a dome stadium in Hobart, to be quite honest. That's um, the way it is at the moment. And I don't know where that's going to be. Carolyn Wilson, for for once today, wrote a really, really good article about exactly that subject, Lucas, about the fact that there's, it's more likely they'll relocate a club despite the Tasmanian government saying they don't want to. I would have thought that North Melbourne's a no-brainer, personally. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, it's it's very, very interesting. It's disappointing that Giants putting up a decent fight. They're at least playing accountable football under Mark McVay. Lucas, they're having a crack. They don't win every game because we're not good enough. But, um, you know, it, it's I think the Giants will have got some certain... It'll be interesting to see who takes over at Sydney Olympic Park. Um, it'll be a project for them, but whether Clarkson's got the patience to do it or whether they get someone else in. But it'll be fascinating to see. Um, and, look, great win for Essendon. I've been pogoing them for weeks. That's a really good, solid 35-point win over St Kilda. Richmond and Carlton was excellent football. Some controversy, but I thought Richmond deserved to win. I see Trent Cotchin's having collarbone surgery, so he's going to be out for quite a while. That hurts yeah. them. Yeah, Noah Bolter out with a hamstring too, so it's a big one for Richmond. And they've got a big game coming up this weekend as well, David, but Bolter out with a hamstring for at least, what, that three to four week mark. That's a huge out for them going forward. And don't we have some games this weekend? It is a Thursday night start. So tomorrow night, Thursday, the 23rd of June. What a game this is. A couple of weeks ago, if Lucas, you want to go for something before that? I do. Sorry, just I do apologise. Just a, just a precursor to this round, David. It's, it's actually quite a historic round, round, this round 15 in the AFL, because it's only the fifth time since 1994 which each of the top eight clubs have played each other. Okay, well, that that is interesting. 
that is really, really interesting that, that that's actually occurred. And um, back to, uh, sorry, I'm just saying good, good, good night to my nieces who are, I'm staying at their place in Sydney for a couple of nights. Thursday night football, the MCG, three weeks ago, you probably would have said this is a guaranteed grand final dress rehearsal. I'm not sure it is anymore. Melbourne and Brisbane at the MCG tomorrow night. What a game that is. Friday night football, the Doggies host Hawthorne at Marvel Stadium. Still think that Western Bulldogs are, will be the one team, the teams in the top four don't want to play in the finals. And a double header on Friday night, which is lovely to see a Friday night football because of State of Origin on Sunday night. West Coast and Essendon playing Friday night footy at Optus Stadium. Again, a late first bounce Eastern time. It's 8.40. Saturday early, big game. Carlton and Frio at Docklands. Followed by another big game, Geelong and Richmond. And this game is not at GMHBA. This game's at the MCG. I wouldn't play. I wouldn't play an away game if I was Geelong against Richmond at the MCG. A home game there, but that's not my choice. Sydney and St Kilda, very interesting. Both sides coming off um, losses. That's half past seven or 25 past seven at the magnificent SCG Saturday night. On to Sunday, North Melbourne and Adelaide at Bell Reve Oval in Hobart, one of the more beautiful cricket grounds in the world. Collingwood and GWS play at the MCG, the afternoon game. Yeah, going to be an interesting game to see how Collingwood rebound. And then a very interesting game to finish off the weekend at the Adelaide Oval, Port Adelaide and Gold Coast. That really is uh, an interesting uh, finish to the round. It would be fascinating to see where that, that game ends up. Thursday night football, G Melbourne and Brisbane. What do we think here? Melbourne coming off a few losses. No big max. Um, really, really interesting situation there. Um, Lucas, who you got? It is. It's going to be an interesting game, David. And these teams have actually just dropped in the last little while. So we got some more, more up-to-date information. In for Melbourne comes Stephen May, uh, key forward Sam Wiedemann and Toby Bedford. And in for Brisbane, Jackson Payne, Tom Barry. And that, and Tunstall come in as well, but it's, you you look at the at the outs for Brisbane here, David. No key defender, no Darcy Gardner. He's out with a lung injury. Um, Dane Zorko has failed to overcome a hamstring injury too. No Zach Bailey, who's been arguably Brisbane's second best player so far this season for me, behind Lockie Neal, and no Darcy Ford either. So there's some big outs there for Brisbane, but for Melbourne, no Mitch Brown, and um, no no Daniel Turner, who's out with concussion. We spoke about Max Gorn and how he struggled through that Collingwood game on Queen's birthday, David. He's out with an uh, ankle injury and no Kane Chandler for Melbourne. But even though with um, Melbourne's out there, I'm still going to pick them, David. They'll be trying to bounce back. They've had a, a fortnight almost to look at that uh, loss against Collingwood, David, and how they got run down in that last quarter, six goals to one in the end. But Brisbane have got some huge outs. No, Gardner's huge. Um, that one-two punch back there with Andrew Zorko, their skipper, they lose him. And Fort's been serviceable ruck forward as well so too Zach Bailey so uh, Melbourne for me David but I think it's going to be a tight one I'm going Melbourne by 14 points Melbourne by 12 for me and do you like the idea of Daniel McStay playing in black and white next year Lucas does that interest you well they haven't had a real key forward David for me since Travis Cloak have they so it's going to be an no. interesting one they're apparently uh, they're sorry reportedly leading that uh, leading the charge to Daniel McStay at the moment. He's, what, 26, 27 years of age, so coming into his prime as a key forward. That's one that interests me. It'd just be interesting how much they're willing to pay, David, because, and it'd be interesting to see where that money goes because they've they've got a, a fair bit of money at the moment into Darcy Moore. Uh, David, it'd be interesting to see how this Dugowie situation goes. Um, also, with the uh, contracts side bottom and Pendlebury coming up to and see how much money in their contracts at the back end. So, it'd be 
interesting to see how much they're prepared and they're actually able to offer Daniel McStay. But he, having a key forward uh, for Collingwood is something we've been crying out for the, the last number of years. So it's nothing that I'd be opposed to. Western Bulldogs and Hawthorns, the early game Friday night football at Docklands. For me, the Bulldogs comfortably. Hawthorne playing out the season, trying to get games into young players and seeing you can move on. They've been tidy and serviceable. A good win against Brisbane not too long ago, but no, the Dogs for me by 20 points. Yeah, we spoke about it a few weeks ago, David, when we looked at the ladder, looking at that one club from outside that can potentially potentially knock their way in. It was unanimous for you and I. We both went to Western Bulldogs have performed well the last couple of weeks. They're under the roof there at Docklands as well. So that only goes from strength to strength for them. But you can't discount the Hawks, David. Um, under first-year coach Sam Mitchell, although he's coached previously at Box Hill, their VFL feeder club, and his first year as AFL, an AFL head coach with his former club. Um, they've had some decent performances. Mitchell Lewis has been outstanding for them forward of the football and uh, Sam Frost down back too. So had some solid contributors. But I think this... This game, David, will be all the Western Bulldogs for me and a doubleheader on Friday night, which is always good to see. Perfect segue to the second game of the doubleheader at Optus Stadium is West Coast and Essendon. Well done, Lucas. You know what? After the West Coast gave Essendon some real competition, they might be up for a win here. Essendon coming off a win. The betting odds are significantly towards Essendon. Can you see the Eagles winning or are you tipping Essendon in this case? Um, no, I'll still go with Essendon, David. It'd be interesting, although the Eagles are vastly experienced, just the way they've gone the last season, season and a half. Be, we, see, we say this about young, inexperienced sides in some cases. Can they put back-to-back consistent performances together? I know Geelong was slightly sluggish last week, David, but Essendon have just, have just started to shine through, haven't they, under Ben Rutten? Um, had a spirited performance last week, an upset win over St Kilda. Um, Dyson Happel was listed on the injury report, the match report there with a slight hand injury, but he's been taken off the um, injury report too. Sam Draper, for me, he's been almost Essendon's best player so far this season, David. Yep. Rucking and going forward, he's been superb. He's right up there in the ruck stocks for me, particularly over the next 18 months, if he can continue his good form. And Dylan Shield, I said about a, previ- a few weeks ago, he probably was his best game with his with his current clubs, David. So they've got some very experienced players out there. I think they can string it together. I still think Essendon by about four goals for me. And I'm going to tip Essendon by 10 points. I think the West Coast will give them some real fright. They're not too far away. Carlton and Fremantle is an excellent game to start Saturdays. This is a beauty at Docklands. These are the sort of games that Freo this year, by and large, have won. And that's why they've gone rocketed up uh, in favouritism and in form. This is a big test for them. Uh, Carlton can play the game. There's no question about that. They've got their mix right. They've got, although they've got a few injuries, they have some terrific on-ballers, led, by, of course, by Patrick Cripps, who we'll talk about in the Brownlow medal count in a minute. Uh, it's close in the betting line. I am going to tip Frio just because I think they are bound for the top four, and I think these are the games they realise they have to win. So Fremantle by 10 points for me. I'm going Fremantle as well, David. As you alluded to, they're cutting a few injuries and they're big ones too. Um, Jack Martin's uh, with a calf injury. He's a test, but we spoke about Sam Durden last week, David, former North Melbourne player. He's actually, unfortunately, succumbed to a knee injury, so it'll further deepen their woes uh, in key position behind the football. He's out for the next four or five weeks with a knee injury, so they'll struggle behind the football key forward uh, in key defence for Carlton. That'll 
have a field day for Matt Tabernard and potentially Rory Lobb as well. So with those injuries and then with Nat on the Fremantle side, we spoke about Andrew Brayshaw, who's been superb. He had 37 disposals a couple of weeks ago. He's been outstanding. Um, Nat Fife working his way back from injury at only another run under his his very strong and capable legs will help him in the long run. So Fremantle for me, David, similar to that sort of one and a half to two goal margin as well. Richmond's injuries in this next game, I think are going to hurt them. I still don't know why Geelong would agree to playing a home game against Richmond at the MCG. It just, I understand there's crowd issues, but surely, surely you'd want to say, oh, I'd like to play that down at Gardenia, please, but they're not. They're playing it at Richmond's home ground. I just... I find that an astonishing thing. Um, now, look, Richmond's injuries hurt them. They really do. Um, I find this very hard to tip, and it's only because of those injuries. And I think that Geelong on their day are really dangerous. I'm going to tip Geelong by eight points and eight points only here. Yeah, just firstly, before we dive into the game specifically, David, even though this is a Geelong home game, and we we, we speak it when Geelong have home finals, they move to the MCG. I think. I, I, you would think they may have been nudged um, by the AFL to move this game to the MCG purely on crowd. Um, I think they'll get upwards of at least 70,000 there, even though it's on a Saturday on a twilight fixture, which is interesting for me for these two big clubs. These sort of games are often reserved for 7.50 on a Friday night or 3.20 on a Sunday afternoon. So that's to do with the logistics of the game. I think they may have been nudged, but to the game more specifically, likewise with you, David, I'm agreeing with you once more what's going on. Um, What's going on? I know Richmond's could be could be um, interrupted behind the football too. We spoke about Noah Bolter with a hamstring. Um, Ro- uh, Robbie Tarrant, who's been a superb pickup over from North Melbourne, David for next to nothing as well, which is another issue which we spoke about as well. Could be a touch and go with a with a hand issue. So if you take Bolter out, even though he's played a bit of time forward this season, and Tarrant. Um, that'll let Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron run wild in the Geelong Ford 50. And as we've seen so far this season, that doesn't go well for opposition clubs. Sydney and St Kilda, two teams that lost last last, last time around, St Kilda to Western, St Kilda, Sydney to Port Adelaide in Adelaide. Um, I find it hard to believe that Swans will go. They had an early patch in the season when they lost a couple in a row. I don't think they will. I think they'll beat St Kilda by about 18, 19 points. I just think they're a bit too good for St Kilda. Um, and St Kilda, as I said, coming off a very poor loss to Essendon. Yeah, and we spoke about St Kilda's issues. They had uh, injuries, excuse me, injury issues, excuse me. They had three of those a few weeks ago. The most significant one being Zach Jones with a hamstring. So he'll he'll miss this game against his former side. Um, but but Sydney um, coming off that loss to Port Adelaide, which you, you you and I both tipped Sydney in the end, I think. So it was a bit of an upset along with that Essendon uh, win over St Kilda. Sydney back at home. Uh, against that, they play the SCG so well. We, we know the dimensions are a bit smaller than the other grounds around the Australian Football League. And that being the case, Sydney for me, David, I wouldn't say uh, overly convincingly, but about that 20 to 24 point margin for me. On to Sunday's games, the first games at Bell Revival in Hobart, North Melbourne and Adelaide. Sorry, can't pick North Melbourne, won't pick North Melbourne, refuse to pick North Melbourne. Adelaide by four goals. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see how Adelaide bounce back. Um, after loss to the Gold Coast, David have been one of the form uh, teams in the competition of late. Um, Riley Philthorpe is a test with an ankle injury. Their number two draft pick from a number of years ago, their key forward for Adelaide. So it'll be interesting to see if he pulls up from that. Um, some good news uh, for North Melbourne too, David. I uh, was reading a little, little, little while ago this afternoon that 
Ben Cunnington's actually ramping up his training, which is great to see after he was diagnosed with testicular cancer a couple of years ago. It's great to see one of the real contested bulls and one of the better exponents of the clearance game in the AFL um, working his way back from injury. But that might be for a, a long while yet. That being said, as you said, Adelaide had one of the rising star contenders probably till the midway point of the season, Josh Rochelle. Um, he's been a little quiet the last couple of weeks, but I think between Rochelle, Rory Laird and Ben Keyes, I think they'll have a successful afternoon. David down at Bell Reeve Oval. Collingwood and GWS is actually quite an interesting game on these Sunday afternoon. Generally, it's an interesting game. The Giants playing reasonable footy. Toby Green in magnificent form last week. I don't think Collingwood will want to let him kick 7-2 because uh, they might lose if they do. This will be a good test of Collingwood. Um, Dugowie's missing, that'll hurt. Quainor and Ginevan, and then there are others involved in that reigning female situation. Look, Collingwood are going to make the eight in my mind. I think they've been, they've had some huge scalps in the last few weeks, and I mean huge. Melbourne and Freo not <laughs> in that group. Thank you, um, as well, David, previous to that. I knew you wouldn't miss Carlton. Um, look, I think this is an interesting game. I think Collingwood are favourites, clearly. I think the Giants could upset them. Uh, they've got to all play superbly well, uh, but I think the, the most money will be on Collingwood to win. I'll be picking the Giants by 12 points. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, David. And we've, we've, these two decided to put on some um, amazing performances too in yep. the last couple of seasons. What will be interesting, interesting for me was how GWS going this game uh, uh, squad selection-wise, David. I did note that Tim Taranto and Phil Davis did play in the VFL last week. Um, for the Giants, so it's interesting to see if they thrust um, Davis back into it after he's had such a long uh, layoff with a soft tissue injury. And Taranto, we know how how well he he plays around the ground. But for Davis, would you rush him back? You've only really got yes, you've got Cox there, but Davis Davis is more that mobile key defender, uh, lockdown player. Darcy Cameron's the same. He's a he's a ruck forward, so he's not as mobile as some of the, your other key forwards in the competition, but he's more mobile than Mason Cox. So I'd be interested to see if Davis um, gets thrown back in by the Giants for Collingwood, David. I think they would uh, replace Jordan Dio with Tyler Brown, more of that contested inside player, but does give them, give them some run and carry on the outside as well. So it would, be, would make sense for me to go uh, Tyler Brown for Jordan Dio in saying that. As you said, I think it's going to be a, quite a competitive game. Uh, you and I will both be tuning into this one and, this is the first one we'll disagree on, David. I think we have our allegiances fairly clear, as we've stated in the past. So for me, for Collingwood, I think it'll be about a 10 to 12-point victory. But as you said, it's going to be a ripping game. I think it'll be really... It could be high scoring. Hopefully, the weather's good, Melbourne, because both of them can play. Uh, I, I have been impressed with the way Collingwood have adapted to a new coach this year, and they have some decent scalps under there. They've just got... These are the sort of games that if Collingwood want to make the top six, they have to win and win well. Uh, just very quickly, David, the forecast for Melbourne on Monday, uh, max 13 degrees, and there's a 95% chance of rain, which is about two and a half to five mils of rainfall. Is that Sunday or Monday, please? You just said Monday. I did. I say Monday. It's Sunday. Excuse me. Okay. And the final game at the Adelaide Oval is a big test for the Gold Coast Suns. Port Adelaide coming off a very convincing and solid win over Sydney last week. And the Gold Coast, I think, getting better, uh, clearly. Um, got some good players, Gold Coast. Stuart Jew's been given some time, which I think everybody is grateful for. I think the guy can coach. Um, can the Suns go to Port Adelaide and win? They're a chance. Don't worry about that. 
Um, Ollie Wine's interesting, a three vote last week on the ESPN predictor. And this is where he came good last year. He just got three votes out, 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 out of a yin-yang last year. It was unbelievable way he finished the season. I find this one hard to pick. Um, I would imagine that Miller and Wines will end up near one another on stage. That'll be just awesome. Two big bodies. Uh, I'll stick with Port Adelaide because it's home. Port Adelaide by 11 points for me and not with any great confidence. Yeah, this could potentially have the portents of a match of the round, David, for me. I think between Richmond Richmond and Geelong, Collingwood and the Giants, as well as Port Adelaide and Gold Coast, so probably three games to keep an eye on all weekend. But I'm sticking with Port Adelaide as well, David. Uh, Charlie Dixon has made his return this last couple of weeks. Um, the Gold Coast a little bit thin on key forwards and key defenders as well. And it would be interesting to see how Tug Miller himself bounces back, actually, quite for his standards last week. Only 24 disposal, which is, you say only 24, but when Miller's been averaging high 20s into the 30s, it's a quiet day for him. And as you said, Port Adelaide at home, trying to string a consistent performances back-to-back over that upset win over Sydney. I just think they'll be a little bit too good and probably a little bit too polished for a, still a young, up-and-coming Gold Coast side. Just a very quick look at the artificial brown low metal leaderboard, courtesy of ESPN. Tuke Miller, 15. Christian Petrarca, 15 and a half. Patrick Cripps, 18. Clayton Nolan, 19 and a half. Andrew Brayshaw, 21 and a half. And Lockie Neal, 22 and a half. Some of those players didn't play last week, so they won't spend too much more time. But the top three at the moment, Neil, Brayshaw, Oliver, followed hotly by Cripps, Petrarca and Miller. I think they're the only ones who could win it. And Jeremy, I think I've said this before, but Jeremy Carrion must be looking squarely down the the the, the line of getting being a possible first ever burst. And I think it's called the Kaji Gives medal down there at, uh, at Geelong. And he's squarely looking down that he's been in great form this year. Lucas, AFL Sydney, did we see some exciting uh, goals last week and, and a wonderful women's game there at Sydney Uni? And then we're, we're off seeing UTS again this weekend, my friend. We sure are, David, as we spoke about last week. When we look at women's games in the past, we've covered, we've always looked at that Nelson Bay and Newcastle City Grand Final, David, is one of the highlights for us broadcasting uh, women's Premier Division football and Black Diamond Cup women's football. But that UTS uh, Sydney University game on the weekend, David, lived up to all of that. The crowd that was pumping there at Sydney University, number one, was it? It was great to see high quality football too under the lights at Sydney Uni. It was great to be a part of it. And please, everybody, remember this name, Imogen Brown. Plays in the forward line for UTS. Very uh, uh, young and and a bit gangly uh, forward. But goodness me, she can play. She kicked a goal on the weekend that was just ridiculous. And a, and, and a day of amazing goals. Uh, one, If you just go and have a look at the replay, Imogen Brown's got a lot to go along with once she um, yeah, hits the gym and, and becomes stronger. Goodness me, she's got some ability. Uh, just an exciting game. And we had the presence of a white fern as well on Saturday oh, evening. Oh, wow. We? Well, what about that? We got a, someone come up to us at the half time, one of the ladies having a few vodka cruises, you want us. Tessa Berger, who plays for the University of Sydney, is a white fern. And, and in fact, and in, oh, it was white fern rugby unit or football. She's a, played football at the Tokyo Olympics and football. She's a football international for New Zealand. Changed codes and come over here. Um, would be lovely to catch up to and have an interview at some stage, Lucas, and we're good at some stage, but fascinating to be calling a Tokyo Olympian and an international footballer. Tessa Berger, remember that name, Sydney Uni. Lucas and I um, saw three goals in the weekend that were top shot, two from Isaac Hughes and one from uh, young Mr Whitaker and uh, from Sydney University, um, both all from ridiculous pockets. I think it's Jamie Whitaker. Um, unbelievable goals. If you get a chance to watch the replay, they were out of this world 
And if you get a chance to go and watch the replay, just a human highlight reel. It was just fantastic. From two of them were from the one of the deepest pockets in all of football in Australia. Please go and have a look at that if you get a chance. They were wonderful. And this yeah, weekend, Lewis, this weekend, Lucas, uh, over to you, over to you. This weekend, Ladies' Day at Trumper. It is, David. Our first time being at Trumper Park in uh, AFL Sydney, so it'll be, it'll be great to venture out there. And it's Premier Division uh, Women's Action Day from twelve thirty UTS and Pennant Hills, um, and then Premier Division Men's. Also, UTS and Pennant Hills, I believe that's 2.30. So looking forward to an afternoon out at Trumper. Please make sure you watch us on KO and on the AFL Facebook page, Sportscast. Looking forward to bringing those games to you with the great man, Lucas. We had a ball last week, and that women's game was just so exciting. And I've got to thank you, Lucas, publicly, for letting me have the microphone for a little while. But you know, just said, run it over to you, big fella. And I got pretty excited. I'll tell you what, I was tired of the way out because I, it was very exciting. The, the, the voice was running at full tilt for about a quarter, which doesn't often happen anymore, I can tell you. I'll just make a correction, David, very quickly. Premier Division women's is 12.50, yes. Thank you. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, look, thank you, Lucas, so much for your time. So, lady, your mum back there in the in the background. I see she's in the home office there. Um, nice to see you. And but there's a couple of pops re relaxing behind you, including the tan one. Um, yeah. Look, Lucas, thanks so much for your time. I'm, it's probably a bit difficult if you talk, but I really appreciate your honesty and candor and and talking about Collingwood and what's going on. I know that it's very close to your heart, and a lot of us, a lot of people watch what goes on at Collingwood. It's a fact, even those of us that don't like them very much. You always watch what's going on, and I think they got their coach right, and they seem to be getting some things right. That let's just hope they can get better from this. Thank you so much for your time. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Indeed, David. I'll see you then. Thanks again. On behalf of Lucas James Holmes, this is David Redden. Hello, bye to the Labradors in the background. Everybody, take care. Look after yourself. Um, look forward to seeing you somewhere at football in the very near future. From Lucas and David, it's bye for now. <laughs>